0: This is Pastor Chad. Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We are honored that you have joined us today. You can stay up to date with us at bethesdachurch.tv or look us up on Facebook or Instagram. Now let's jump in to today's message. You once again. Uh, today we're going to stay in the series entitled Monarchy. Uh, I will say we've covered a lot of information, a lot of material in this series. And if you've, um, if you haven't uh, been a part of the last four messages, um, if you haven't had the chance to go back and listen or watch those, I would encourage you to do that. Um, mainly because I don't have time each week to come and review all the previous content and still have time for new content, and so. Um, I would encourage you, go do that. It'll be a blessing to you. Uh, You may ask today, why the title monarchy? And um, the reason for the title is very simple. Monarchy means the supreme power or sovereignty that is held by a single person. And we know that that person is Jesus Christ. He has all power and he is completely sovereign. Uh, And we know that through the teachings of Jesus that he came to bring us a kingdom. That's what he came to do. He demonstrated the kingdom while on the earth, but the the scripture teaches us that when he ascended to the right hand of the Father, that the authority that Jesus demonstrated was then transferred to the body of Christ. How many of you understand? He is the head, we are the body. We're very much connected. He transferred that authority, that power, onto the body of Christ. Most people, as I've said a, a couple of different times, most people are really cool with the gospel of Jesus, they just don't really understand the gospel of the kingdom. Um, Jesus, um, he he talked about church once, but he talked about kingdom every other breath. Uh, he preached the kingdom. He taught the kingdom. Um, he he also demonstrated the kingdom. He he said to his followers, he says that he said um, it has been given to you to know and understand the mysteries of the kingdom. He took it a step further than that. He said that this kingdom that we've been talking about over the last few weeks, this kingdom is on the inside of you. Are you thankful that the kingdom of God is resident in your life today, that that, that authority, that power uh, is on the inside of you? And so the first three weeks of the series, we painted a big picture idea of the kingdom, and then last week and this week, I'm trying to take the big picture stuff and make it a bit practical because a lot of people listen to these messages and they don't know how to apply it. They, I, I want that kind of power, I just don't know how to do it. I, I want to understand uh, you know, how to bring the kingdom of heaven into the earth, but I don't know how to walk it out practically. And so that's what we're doing right now is we're giving you some practical things you can do to bring the kingdom of heaven into the earth. And so today I want to call this message... I want to call it launching our weapons. Launching our weapons. Jesus left us weapons whereby we can manifest the kingdom. He left us both weapons and ammunition. If you look at this, we all know that ammunition is useless without something to launch it. Um, A bullet needs a gun. An arrow needs a bow. A bomb needs a bomber plane to drop it. There are spiritual weapons or means by which we launch our ammunition against Satan's kingdom. Now, three, there, there are three real main weapons that, that help us launch it, I'll, I'll just speak those, I'm not gonna preach on all of these, but it is the word of God, it is the blood of Jesus, and it is the name of Jesus. That is the word of God, the blood of Jesus, and the name of Jesus. I'm gonna be focusing in on the name of Jesus for a few minutes, and then I'm gonna give you four launching pads to launch your weapons, all right? It's gonna be practical. Uh, I believe you can leave today and you'll be able to walk these things out. Um, How many of you understand there is power in the name of Jesus? That, That at the name of Jesus, we know that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Even today, when the name of Jesus is spoken, Uh, It throws the supernatural world into disorder. Uh, You you can see it even on a political level in this country. If somebody gets up at a big event and they... Pray in the powerful name of Jesus. I mean, it, it just throws the spiritual world, uh, just, just bombs going off spiritually. And, and both good, the people that, that love and know the power of that name. But how many know that that name, when spoken under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that name, it makes the devil cringe. He hates the name of Jesus. He, he doesn't want to hear the name of Jesus. And, and so I, I want us to understand today the power of that name. Uh, Satan will do anything in his power to keep from hearing it and especially uh, to keep you from saying it. Uh, To show you practically how powerful the name of Jesus is, is that the name of Jesus, how many of you know, we get saved in that name. Like salvation comes through the name of Jesus. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you will declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That at the name of Jesus, I am brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light because there is power in the name of Jesus. Not only am I saved by that name, how many know that we speak healing in the name of Jesus? Uh, So powerful. If you look at Acts chapter three, when um, it was Peter... And, and James, they're, they're, they're walking up uh, at the gate, and the Bible says there was a lame man, but if you look at the, the text, Acts 3, starting verse 6, Peter said, he said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you, and I love this, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk And he took him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankle bones became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk, and then he went with them into the temple, walking and jumping and praising God. We speak healing in the name of Jesus. We also, this will make some people real nervous, we cast out devils in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and give God a praise right there. We cast out devils. In the name of Jesus. This name is powerful. Uh, there was a woman in Acts chapter 16 that was following uh, the apostle Paul around. And uh, and it says this in verse number 18. It says, she kept this up for many days. And finally, Paul became so anno- annoyed. How many know that by, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, sometimes you can get uh, righteously annoyed? man i've been righteously annoyed a lot lately paul was righteously annoyed annoyed and he turned around and he said to the spirit not to the woman he said to the spirit in the name of jesus christ i command you to come out of her and at that moment that spirit left her i'm telling you we cast devils out In the name of Jesus. Some of you, what you're walking through is not ordinary, but it is actually a spiritual battle that you're walking through. And from time to time, you got to take some inventory and realize this is not flesh and blood I'm fighting against. This is a spiritual battle, and I'm going to speak to whatever it is in the name of Jesus. There's power in that name. In the 19th chapter of the book of Acts, the seven sons of Sceva attempted to cast the devil out, and it didn't go so well for them. We saw Paul cast it out immediately, but these seven sons of Sceva, if you look at Acts 19, starting verse 14, it says these sons and a Jewish chief priest were doing this. It says, one day the evil spirit answered them. I love this. Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all, and he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. The point of me reading that text to you is this. Um, if you're going to use the name of Jesus, you better be under the name of Jesus. There's a, lot of people, <laughs> there's a lot of people trying to use the name, and they're not under the name. If you're using the name and you're not under the name, you're going to end up like these seven sons that got beat up by the devil. They left there running away, bleeding and naked. And, and my question to you today is, does the devil know your name? Does he know your name? I, 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 I want to I submit to you today that if you are a kingdom person walking in alignment with what God is saying and doing in the world, in, in the earth, and specifically in your life, you better believe the devil knows your name. Some of you just need to start acting like the devil knows your name. Instead of submitting to everything he's bringing against you, you need to rise in power and speak in that name of Jesus and watch the devil back up. Watch the devil back up. I love that, that, that text. The name of Jesus is so powerful that the Jewish authorities ordered Peter and John not to teach in that name because as they taught, riots would, would take place in the city. When Paul and John taught about Jesus, it, it spurred extreme reactions, many of them negative because what, when they taught in the name of Jesus, it went against what they had learned in the law. And so they became upset with this gospel of the kingdom, this gospel of Jesus. At a deeper level, when they spoke in the name of Jesus, principalities and powers would would go into an upheaval all throughout the New Testament, specifically in the book of Acts. It's interesting to note the frequency of the name of Jesus. In the book of Acts, that name is used 18 times and and only only two times in, in the Gospels as a weapon. But 18 times we see the name of Jesus being used as a weapon in the book of Acts. For the early church, the name of Jesus was an important weapon in the battle against Satan. Through that name, the early believers, they dealt with their struggles in the name of Jesus. They they dealt with their successes in the name of Jesus. They dealt with evil spirits all in the name of Jesus. The weapons of our warfare, though, we understand we got, we got the blood of Jesus, the word of God, and the name of Jesus, but there are actually four launching pads that I wanna give you today. Four launching pads where we can release the weapons against our, our adversary. Launching pad number one. I'm going old school today. Prayer. No prayer, no power. No prayer, no power. I think we have underestimated the power of prayer. Prayer launches our ammunition against the enemy. Through prayer, we were able to extend beyond our arm's reach. While my sword is limited to the measure of my arm, my prayers are limitless. And I'm going to take it a step further, not just ordinary praying, no passion praying. Uh, The Bible doesn't say the lazy prayer of the righteous of much. It says the passionate, the fervent prayer of the righteous. We we need to take it even further than passion. We need to start praying more in the Holy Ghost. We need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, and we need to be praying in our prayer language. Why? Because I can pray into situations that I don't even understand when I'm praying under the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, see, I'm, I'm reminded today. I want to tell you a quick story. I'm reminded of a, a story I read in a, in a book many years ago, and I had to get it back out and reread the story. But it's a, a story. Uh, it's written by Pastor Jim Simbala of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, and he uh, writes in his book. I think the book is Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. Some of you 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 might have read that at some point. But he writes and he tells a story. That as their church began to grow and began to touch the world, that while that was happening, at the same time, they were losing their oldest daughter. She was it started at about age 16, her name was Chrissy, and, and they were just really struggling uh, with, with, with her at that time. And there were there were people she was hanging out with, there were guys she was dating. And, and it was all bad news and she would leave for weeks at a time and they didn't know if she was dead or alive and they fully expected at some point that they would get a call that their daughter w- was dead. And, and, and so but he talked about in the book how they would, they would cry out to God and they would scream to God and they would plead with God and, and, and when they got in touch with her, they would even try to bribe her with money, anything they could do to get their daughter home and safe and on the right path. And it was on a Tuesday night where they had their prayer services. On Tuesday, they would come in and simply pray. And he walked in that Tuesday night, and as they began to pray, one of the inter- intercessors of that church sent up a note to the pastor. And the note said, we need to stop what we're doing, and we need to pray for your daughter. We need to pray for your daughter, and we need to pray for your family. And, and the crazy thing is, he hadn't told anybody what, what was going on. This was a woman who just knew by the Spirit of God that we need to pray for Chrissy. We need to intercede. And, and Pastor Simbala, he, he really hesitated because to change the flow of a service, to pray about my needs, come on somebody, you know what I'm saying? It's like we're supposed to be praying about all this stuff and, and, and so he hesitated, but after a couple of minutes he realized this had to be a word from God and we needed to stop and we needed to pray. And so he gave the message to his associate pastor. And, and they, they told the whole church, he said, church, I, I, you, you guys don't know this, but my daughter, she is in a bad place. She thinks, you know, up is down and down is up. She thinks darkness is light and light is darkness. It's been really, really bad. And I, I just want my associate pastor to lead us in a prayer for my daughter. And so they all joined hands and they began to pray. And as the associate pastor began to lead the prayer, Pastor Simbala simply stood behind him with his hands on his back. And, and, and he, couldn't even have, he couldn't even get tears anymore. His tear ducts had run dry from crying so much for his daughter. And as they began to pray, he said, I can only explain this in terms of a metaphor. He said that the church that night, that Tuesday night, literally turned into a labor room. He, and, and he talked about the sounds of, of a woman giving birth is never pleasant, but the results are always wonderful. And he said that there was a groaning that took place, a sense of desperate determination, as if to say, Satan, you cannot have this girl Satan you got to take your hands off this girl and he was so overwhelmed by the volume and the power of people praying fervently for his daughters and it was such a powerful time that he went home after the service that night and he sat down with his wife who waited up for him her name is Carol and they're having a cup of coffee and he said to her to his wife he said it's over and she said what's over? He said, it's over with Chrissy. It's completely over with her. And she said, what do you mean by that? He said, I can't really explain it, what happened tonight in this prayer meeting. But he said, I'm telling you, if there is a God in heaven, this whole nightmare is over. If there's a God, it's over because I've never seen people pray like I saw them pray tonight. And here's the cool part. 32 hours later on a Thursday morning, He's up, Pastor Simbala, and he's got shaving cream all over his face, getting ready for the day. And about that time, Carol, his wife, busts through the bathroom door and says, you got to stop shaving and get downstairs. And he's like, why? He said, Chrissy is home. Come on, somebody, 32 hours later. He said, but i got to shave. She said, she said, you better get downstairs right now because it's you that she wants to see. And so he wipes himself off. He walks downstairs, and he goes around the corner, and he comes to the kitchen. And when he gets to the kitchen, he sees his daughter rocking back and forth on her hands and on her knees, crying out, saying, Daddy, I'm so sorry. I've been rebellious to you. I've sinned against myself. I've sinned against you, and, and I'm so sorry. And then she stops, and she stands. She stands up, and she looks him in the eye, and she says, Dad. You have to tell me on Tuesday night who prayed for me. On Tuesday, and he said, What are you talking about, Chrissy? She said, On Tuesday night, who prayed for me? She said, and she began to explain that on Tuesday night, she said this. She said, In the middle of the night, God woke me up and showed me that I was headed toward an abyss. There was no bottom to it. It scared me to death. I was so frightened. She said, in the moment, I realized how wrong I was. I realized how rebellious I had become. But at the same time, it was like God had wrapped his arms around me, and he held me tight, and he kept me from sliding any further. And he He said to me, I still love you. And, and she went on to say, Daddy, tell me what happened. And he was able to explain what had happened on Tuesday night in that prayer meeting. I just wonder if anybody is tired of complaining and moping and being discouraged. And, and, and instead of talking all that, why don't we get on our knees and pray a fervent prayer? Prayer is the way that we launch our weapons. We don't launch weapons by complaining and belly aching and speaking negative. We launch our weapons through the power of prayer. If you believe it, come on, give God a shout of praise in this place. Prayer is a launching pad. I told myself I wasn't going to work my voice this hard because I got to preach three times today. But prayer is the way we launch our weapons. And some of us, we complain more than we pray, we post more than we pray. Man, I'm just going to say it. Might as well say it. We, um, we check Facebook and Instagram more than we check the Bible. We do. We got to get back to prayer. Prayer launches our weapons. The second launching pad is happening right now. It's through preaching. Did you know right now we are launching weapons through the preached word of God? It's, it's, a, it's a way to launch the weapons of God. The word preach means to proclaim. That's what it means. The goal of preaching is to proclaim what God has accomplished through Jesus. It's why Paul wrote in Romans chapter 10, starting in verse number 14, he said, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Of all the things God could have chosen to spread the power of his gospel, he chose the foolishness of preaching. If you don't believe preaching is, is somewhat foolish, I would encourage you to go back and watch one of the messages when I'm real fired up. And watch it on your, your phone or your laptop or your TV. And when I get real fired up, hit the mute button and just watch. i say, Pastor Chad is possessed. I am possessed, baby. I'm possessed by the Holy Ghost. Come on. It don't make sense. I don't know why God chose it that way, but he chose the foolishness of preaching to, to equip us for what we're called to do. It's through preaching that lives are changed. It's why Paul, when he preached, he, he would often preach about the blood of Jesus and about the cross and about the resurrection. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, Verses 3 through 5. He said, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. I love that Paul said, I didn't have fancy words, and I I could have impressed you. I knew 10 languages. I could have impressed you, but I didn't come to flatter you with words, but I came in demonstration and in power. That's why Satan works so hard to obscure the cross from us. If he can obscure the cross from us, then he can rob us of the power that we need to live in victory today. I'm amazed that Christians can sit under anointed preaching and have a take it or leave it mentality. See how low the claps are? Because we can sit under anointed preaching and and, and critique, evaluate it, lining up with what we think. Do you know as your pastor that when I come and preach the word to you, this is not, well, maybe, maybe, This is God talking to you. Some of y'all, I need to hear from God. You're hearing from God right now. You are hearing from God. Now, this isn't to replace your personal time with God. You need to hear from God there. But on Sunday, we're not just coming to hear a message that we get to decide on whether we're going to believe it or activate it in our lives or not. This is a moment where we do, in this moment, we have faith to receive it and activate it. But we got to believe that God is speaking. It launches our weapons. We got prayer. We got preaching. I almost saved this one for the fourth one. But we'll go ahead and hit it. How many know praise is a weapon? <clears throat> I said praise is a weapon. So many times we, we come to church and we think that praise and worship is just the time we fill up before the sermon. Not understanding that our praise is an actual weapon. The Bible says, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. See, let me put it to you this way. If you were in a room, thank you. Thank you, Pawan. If you were in a room where people spent all their time praising Satan, all right? I know we don't want to think like that. But if you were in a room and, and a bunch of people were praising the devil, what would you do? I wanna suggest to you there's only two options. You would either have to get them to shut up or you would have to leave, right? Either get them to shut up or you would have to leave. Well, I wanna present to you this morning that Satan has the same dilemma. When the people of God come together and lift up their voices and begin to praise God, he's either got to get you to shut up or he's got to leave. There ought to be a praise coming forth every time we meet together that the devil realizes I can't shut him up, so I got to get my behind out of here. Come on, if you believe it, take 10 seconds and give him praise. Praise is a weapon. In order to have that kind of praise, I have to, in order to praise God like that, I have to get over my pride. I have to get over my fear of what people might think. I've got to get over, uh, I've got to get past the barriers in my mind. Some of you, what you need to get past is guilt. You need to get past condemnation. The reason you can't praise God is because every time you come into the presence of God, Satan reminds you of what you did. He reminds you of what you did. And, and, and that's what he does. He is the accuser of the brethren, which means that he accuses us day and night. That happens 24-7. I mean, it's seven days a week, 365 days a year. He runs his mouth against you. And if you don't learn to appropriate the word of God into your life and the blood of Jesus into your life, you'll come into the presence of God and not even be able to lift up a praise because you feel like you're not worthy and like you, you're you not valuable. But when you know that it's not my righteousness, it's his righteousness, and yes, I messed up, but I have repented and moved on from it, I have a right to give God some praise. I have a right to lift up my voice. If you don't believe praise is a weapon just ask Paul and Silas if praise is a weapon the Bible says that they were locked up in a dungeon locked up in prison and they're chained up in the pitch dark and the Bible says that at midnight they begin to sing some of us can't sing on a Sunday morning much less in a dungeon Man, I must be feeling it today but it's, they in a dungeon. They, they can't even see. They're chained up. And Acts 16, and, and I won't read it all, but we'll start in verse 25. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. That tells me that there is a praise that will not only set you free, but set everybody around you free. There is a praise that will cause the lost to say, what must I do to be saved? Could it be that some of the chains we can't break in our life is because we can't move beyond our pride and give God the kind of praise that he really deserves? The Bible says that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. If you were to look at that, it says as a roaring lion. But if you were to go to Google, all right? We won't even do the Bible here. You just go to Google. And you were to ask Google, what do I do if I come face to face with a real lion? Like not one that as a roaring Like if you were face to face with a real lion, what should you do? Here's what Google says. Number one, you should stay in your ground. Stand your ground. All throughout scripture, we're told to stand, right? To stand firm on the word of God. Standing means that you refuse to give up the promise. And and, and so it's real cool. If you come face to face with a real lion, the first thing you do is you stand your ground. Some of you, you're not standing your ground. Secondly, you show no signs to a real lion. You show no signs of fear. Zero signs of fear. Listen, the reason you stand and you show no signs of fear to a real lion is because if you run or show fear, you're dead. That lion is going to consume you. All right? I stand my ground. I show no signs of fear. Why? Because, listen, in the spiritual realm, you got to understand fear is a spirit. You don't come into the world with fear. It's either a learned behavior or something the enemy has brought into your life. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So Google says, stand your ground, show no signs of fear. And then the third thing, this is according to Google, make yourself look bigger. This is crazy. Rory Young, he, he is a, uh, a safari guy, I believe is, is uh, what he does. But he says, if you see stalking indications... He said, then raise your arms above your head, clap loudly, and most importantly, shout your head off. That doesn't sound like a safari guide. That sounds like a preacher wrote it. Some of you have been intimidated by the devil. It's time to stand firm. No fear. Throw your arms in the air. Clap. Come on, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Why? Because your praise is a weapon. Come on, release your weapon right now. Your praise is a weapon. We have to launch our weapons through praise. Even children can see victory through their praise. Kids can. Kids can do that. Psalm 8-2 says, through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger." The foe and the avenger, that is Satan. But the scripture says that when kids give praise to God, it establishes a stronghold against the enemy. How many know not only do we need to be praising God, we need to make sure our kids are praising God. That our kids are lifting up their voice. That our kids are lifting up their hands. Praise is a weapon. Come on, holler at somebody and tell them praise is a weapon. One of the things that praise does is that it silences our enemy. And and it's really important that we we see the significance of this because the enemy always wants to silence you. He wants to silence your praise. He wants to silence your testimony. He wants to silence your, your, your worship. He wants to silence you. That's why he brings accusation against you day and night. But one of the ways that I can guarantee he will shut up and leave me alone And that I can silence him is through my praise. Through lifting up the the name of Jesus, not not focusing on what's happening to me, what's happening around me. God, I'm gonna remove all distractions and I'm just gonna lift you up. I'm gonna praise you. It's a weapon against the enemy. The fourth launching pad is the word of your testimony. The word of your testimony. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. In the Christian arsenal of weapons, we have the word of God and we have the word of our testimony. The word of our testimony is evidence of the word of God in our lives. See, the, the words accusation and the words testimony are both legal terms, it's legal terms used in the court of law. The word accusation gives the idea of a prosecuting attorney accusing the defendant of a specific crime. That's what Satan does. In response, the defendant presents their testimony of innocence. As believers, we can testify that through the blood of Jesus Christ, our accuser has no basis to level blame against us that our record is clean. Why? Because we have been washed And we have been made new by the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen to me, somehow to praise God right there. Like every time he brings accusation against me, he has no basis, not because I'm good, but he has no basis because Jesus is good. And his blood has made me whole. His blood has made me new. And we overcome Satan when we testify to what the word of God says about the blood of Jesus and what the blood has done for us. Anybody thankful today for the blood of Jesus Christ? It's not a question of, you know, if Satan will accuse you, it's when. It's not an if, it's a when. And so I want to end, as the worship team comes back, I want to end with four declarations for you. That as you leave, these are four declarations you can make each day and throughout your week that that will help you launch weapons against the enemy. Because you got to know who you are. Number one, the first declaration I want you to begin making this week, in Christ we have redemption through his blood. That's a declaration you need to make every morning, say in Christ I have redemption through his blood. Ephesians chapter one verse seven says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. It's not a result of my works or your works, but it's the works of Jesus. Through the first Adam, we sold ourselves as slaves to sin. But Jesus came to the pawn shop and he bought us back. Come on, somebody. He he, he came to the pawn shop. Whenever you pawn something, whenever you pawn something, it costs more to buy it back than it does to sell it. When you take something to the pawn shop, they may give you 50 bucks for it. But if you want to go back and buy that thing back, they may charge you 150 bucks for it. Jesus was the only person who could claim our pawn ticket because he's been the only person that has been perfect and sinless, and it's by his blood that I have been redeemed and made new in Christ Jesus. Second declaration, through the blood, we are continually cleansed from sin. Continually. 1 John 1 7 if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin the word cleanse in the Greek gives the indication that this is a continual cleansing continual how many of you understand that you don't get cleansed like one time and you're done maybe you did the rest of us, he's still working on us, all right? This is a continual process, but I want you to, I want you to see something that I never really saw before. I, I've read it, just it never really stuck out like this. We, we have to understand, if we are not walking in the light, the blood is not cleansing us. That, that was a bomb for me this week. If you're not walking in the light, the blood is not cleansing you. There's some people that choose to walk in darkness. It's real quiet. But if I don't make a decision to walk in the light, I'm not cleansed. He said we are cleansed if we choose to walk in the light. What does that mean? It means that if I ignore the Holy Spirit, when he's telling me, Chad, this is wrong in your life, and I ignore it, and I, I ignore maybe even people that have came now and told me, you know, to confirm what the Holy Spirit has been dealing with me about, and I ignore them, and then I, I ignore somebody else that maybe they're over me in the Lord, and, and no, 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 it's not me. How many know, if I'm not willing to walk in the light, the blood is not cleansing me. You better choose to walk in the light. I want to tell some people all that's happening in the world right now, I, with, with what happened in Israel this week, the signing of this peace treaty all these things if they begin construction on the temple guys we are on the verge of the rapture of the church and the seven year tribulation you better make sure that your heart is right you need to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling now is not the time to hold on to darkness now is the time to say I'm coming out of darkness I don't care if it offends people I'm going to choose to walk in the light to confirm the blood of Jesus will cleanse me come on go ahead and stand up go ahead and stand up number three Third declaration: Through the blood, we are made righteous. You need to say this: Through the blood, we are made righteous. Romans five nine: Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? It's another um, legal term: justified, meaning acquitted, means made righteous. Society will say, "Commit the crime, do the time." But how many know we commit the crime? But if we come into God's kingdom, we don't have to do the time. The time, we, we, we get out of it through Jesus. Through the blood, we have been made righteous. And the fourth and final declaration is through the blood, we are partakers in God's holiness. Man, this is so good. Did you know God has made you holy? Man, I grew up in church thinking, man, I am such a heathen because I did not understand God makes me holy. I thought I made myself holy. Now I have a part to play, I gotta cooperate, I gotta choose to walk in the light, but it's through the blood that we become partakers in God's holiness, Hebrews 13, 12. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood, to make us holy, to make us separate, to make us clean. Matthew 27, 46, about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The reason Jesus cried out like that is because he sensed in that moment a separation from God's presence because we know that that Jesus bore our sins and God can't even look at sin. But Jesus, watch this, he became the curse. He became the rejection. He became the sin. and and man what blows my mind is Jesus didn't deserve to become a curse he didn't deserve to become my rejection he didn't deserve to become my sin but he chose it and which means I don't deserve righteousness and I don't deserve holiness but the same way that Jesus took on my sin I now take on his righteousness because there has been an exchange made at the cross it's through his blood that we have been made righteous and partake in God's holiness. Let's give God the best praise we have all day, church. It's a good place to praise Him right there. So through the blood of Jesus, I can say I'm sanctified, I'm made holy, I'm set apart from sin and Satan's kingdom, and I'm made a partaker in God's holiness. We thank God for his goodness. We praise God for His greatness, but we worship Him for His holiness. We worship Him for His holiness. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? No one looking around. I want to speak to those in-house and those that are watching online. Maybe you say, Pastor, I'm not where I need to be with God. I'm not, I've not been made righteous. I've not been made holy. I'm not a partaker. I, I, I love what you said today, but I need that in my life. The Bible says that we are saved by believing in Jesus Christ, believing that he came, that he died, that he he got up on the third day, that we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth. So if you're here today and you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, if that's you, would you throw your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to make things right with God today. Anybody at all that would say, one over here, God bless you. Another one here, God bless you. Anyone else? Another one? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Anybody online that you would say that's that's me today? Anyone online at all? We want to pray with you as well. How many think it's really cool that three people, I think three people in house are going to give their lives to Christ? Come on, church. It's awesome. It's good news. Good news. Would you pray with me? Everybody lift your voice. Say, "Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a savior." I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me and to cleanse me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give those people a big hand clap right there. Welcome to the family of God. We're so excited for you, so cool. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and get in place. We're going to do one more song. Let's take some time today just to worship God. Maybe even turn this into a prayer time for you and your family. But let's, let's spend some time in the presence of God. God bless you guys.
1: of our Father. There's nothing else that we want more than the love of our Savior Jesus Christ. But in order for that to happen, he first had to look down on our filthy mess and say, all I want is you. Nothing else. There's nothing else. That's all I want is you. So when you sing this bridge right here, I want you to hear that huge thump in your heart as Jesus knocking on your door this morning. He's wanting to come in. He's wanting to clean some things out. He's wanting to fill you up this morning. But in order to do that, you've got to open that heart's door and you've got to hear him singing this song over your life. to this morning but i really it doesn't matter where we are nothing else replaces his presence this morning amen has it been a good place to be this morning bethesda come on y'all can do better than that i know y'all felt
0: that too thanks for listening to this episode of the bethesda church podcast if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting BethesdaChurch.tv give. We will catch you on the next episode.